2: as we welcome you along to the programme as always John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 anything you want to share with us we love to hear from you you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and it being Thursday Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining us a little bit later on on the programme so if you've got questions for Jane you can get them in uh, throughout the morning and let me start with a text actually in from a listener because it uh, ties in with something I wanted to talk about Mary says could you help me please I've got friends living in Germany and friends living in Belgium and they want to come to Ireland next month in June. They want to come and visit and they want to stay with me. Now, I don't have the internet, so I'm wondering, uh, could you find out for me, please, do they need to quarantine first and what exactly would happen with travellers from Germany and Belgium? Well, at the moment... The advice still is not to travel to Ireland unless you have an essential reason for your travel. So if your friends are just travelling for a holiday, at the moment that's not deemed essential travel. Now that may change and it possibly will. But if they're arriving into this country, there are a list of countries where you do have to go into mandatory uh, quarantining. There's no point saying, oh, it's OK at the moment because Germany and Belgium are not on the list. They could be added to the list. So that's something they're going to need to check. If they still are planning to travel, they're going to need to check that they're not one of the countries on the mandatory hotel quarantining, but allowing that they won't be on the mandatory hotel quarantining. Anyone who does travel to this country at the moment, again, all of this is open to change. You have to have proof of a negative COVID-19 test, which must be taken 72 hours before arrival. And that actually is the same even for people who have... Who are fully vaccinated, they still at the moment need to get, uh, have a negative PCR test and if they don't then they will have to go into uh, quarantine. quarantining. But allowing that the countries, Germany and Belgium are not on the mandatory quarantine list, when they do come if they do come to this country, they're still going to have to fill in one of these passenger locator forms and then they're going to have to quarantine at home, i.e. in your house. And they'll have to quarantine for 14 days in a place of residence that they put on the passenger locator form. And I don't know if that's going to suit a lot of people. If you want to come on holidays, you've got to stay in somebody's house quarantining for a uh, 14 days. I don't know how that's going to work for many people. They, they would be able to stop quarantining though if they they, if they get a negative COVID t- another negative COVID test five days after they arrive. Anyway uh, the re- I'm mentioning that that's the way it is on this day the 13th of May. That could change though by the 13th of June and certainly it's looking like it, it would change for July because what the government are talking about at the moment, plans that are being discussed by the government are that vaccinated people would be able to travel abroad for foreign holidays from July. So I'm assuming the flip of that is vaccinated people from other European countries would be allowed equally to travel here. A memo has been drafted by the Department of the Taoiseach to clear the way for overseas holidays. Now it would be on a graduated basis and it would be over the summer months I don't think it's certainly going to be as early as next uh, June. Leo Varadkar then was speaking at the Fianna Gael Parliamentary Party and he says it may be possible that everyone who wants a vaccine will be able to get a vaccine by the end of June. Now that's not to say that all of those people will be fully vaccinated but they certainly will be on the road to a vaccination. And it is also expected that non-essential travel between Ireland and Britain, now that would be your holidays, that would be going to visit families, that that would be permitted from July and and I think the bulk of the calls that we get about travel has got to do with Britain. It's either got to do with people who are living here who've got family in England and want to go over to see them or it's the other way around. We've got family members living in England who dearly and desperately want to come home. So the expectation is that it would be from around July and that would be following an easing of restrictions on flights to EU countries. Now, it would be based on vaccination levels and it would be the, based on the rate of virus in certain countries I think when you're looking to Britain it's going to be okay because they're so way ahead on the levels of vaccinations and obviously because they're so way ahead on vaccinations their numbers of cases are falling almost every day travel then further afield say to the US or to Australia or elsewhere that's not expected to happen until a later date no idea on a date on that one yet Ireland it will sign up to the EU's Digital Green Certificate system. Now, this is the certificate system for vaccinated passengers. But the government then, even when we sign up to that EU-wide Digital Green Certificate, the government then will still make their own decisions on which countries people from Ireland will be allowed to travel to and from. So it's not just a case of the EU saying we have a Digital Green Certificate and that people can travel freely between all other EU countries once you have your green certificate. That's not going to be the case. Ireland certainly have agreed that, yes, we're going to sign up to it. But if the Irish government are worried about maybe a particular country or a region of a particular country, then they may decide that, no, that's not on the list. You can't travel there. Or people traveling from there must say go into hotel quarantining. That's what I imagine is going to happen. A significant re- review, by the way, of that mandatory hotel quarantine system is also uh, expected. And I imagine once the digital green certificate comes in and once we start opening up to people travelling in and out of this country, then the mandatory hotel quarantining, I'm assuming there'll be very few countries left on that list. Work is also underway to ensure the necessary technology to facilitate the introduction of these vaccine passports. It's not going to be as simple as having a card to say that you've been fully vaccinated because straight away the powers that be realised they're going to be very easy to copy and to, to make forged copies of. So it's they're going to go down the technology route and it is looking like it'll either be linked to your mobile phone or it will be linked to your passport. The EU Commissioner Pre- President Ursula von der Leyen, she's been working on this for quite some time. I think she really sees the need for the tourism industry across the EU to be opened up. She's hoping that all member states will welcome vaccinated US visitors once the digital green certificates are in place. Again the EU, the, e, the US certainly is doing better when it comes to vaccination so whether uh, we will get to that stage where people from the US once they're vaccinated will be allowed to travel as lo- along with the other Europeans. On Tuesday, the Taoiseach-Lear of Radker he suggested that restrictions on travel between Ireland and the EU countries are indeed the US, may not be lifted until next year. He was speaking at an online Vintners' conference that actually we're going to be talking about later on in the programme uh, today. And he said he'll be making the case, though, to fully restore the common travel area between Ireland and Britain. And he wants that fully restored during the summer, he, you know, saying, "We look, we may have to wait longer for the American tourists to come in. We may have to wait longer for the European tourists uh, to come in. But he very much wants that common travel area between Ireland and England opened. Now, some backbench TDs are likely to put pressure, though, on ministers to ease the travel restrictions sooner because obviously they're hearing from some of their constituents who are saying I really want to travel or I think the bigger one is I want to see family members I think certainly what we're hearing from some of our listeners who want to travel between Ireland and England and it's got to do with We've got some grannies and granddads listening to this programme who haven't seen much loved children and much beloved grandchildren. And some haven't seen them since 2019 because many of the travel plans were cancelled last year. Christmas certainly was cancelled for a lot of people and I was certainly were into 2021 and they haven't seen their loved ones until 2019. So I think there's the, if the, the common travel area, I think there will be a lot of emphasis by the TDs to get that one moving and to get travel once we catch up and we are doing well on the vaccinations but once we catch up and get anywhere near the vaccination levels that are in place in England then I certainly think there's going to be no reason as to why we can't be travelling between Ireland and England and just on um, uh, vaccinations I, I don't know if it's just me and I'm in that sort of age group at the moment I'm hearing of loads of people getting phone calls and te- not phone calls getting texts to say that they are going for their jobs. I am actually hearing of people who are getting phone calls from their GP practice to say come in for a job I mean I'm assuming some of the GP practices must have extra vaccines uh, and they're calling in some of their patients which is great but there's lots and lots and lots of people being called in to go to the vaccination centres and certainly as we mentioned yesterday with that email that we received from the HSE there are people across North Cork and West Cork in the 60 to 69 age group who are getting a text but they're not getting a text to go to their local vaccination centre or their closest one they are being asked to go into the city, either into City Hall a lot of people uh, seem to be getting a call to go into a porky queue, and that's, they're doing that as we know to try to mop up the last of, between the 60 and the 69 year olds to get all of them vaccinated and then obviously it's going to open up for the uh, 50 to 59 year olds and already we've been contacted by some people in kind of the late 50s 58, 59 who are getting a text to say come and get your uh, vaccine. So your vaccine if you have registered it is on the way and I don't know, I'm one of the ones I'm in that 50 to 59 age group and I've I've registered and I don't know is it just me or is anybody else obsessed with checking their phone checking to see if you got your text message Uh, yes I seem to be constantly I've never checked my phone so much I can't wait to get that text message to get the call to come in and the health minister intends to bring a revamped plan on the COVID-19 rollout to cabinet he's hoping to do it next week Stephen Donnelly said he'll have this updated vaccination plan and it'll provide a timeline on when all age groups can expect to receive their first vaccine dose. He expects to receive updated recommendations as well on the use of AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson from NIAC, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee. He's expecting that in the coming days and the as we know the vaccines at the moment are confined to people over the age of 50 but they're hoping to get a recommendation that they will be allowed to give it to the 45 to 49 year olds. So he's waiting on that news to come um, and then there'll be this revamped plan and people will just have some kind of an idea when they're expected to get their jab. Another big milestone was confirmed that over 260,000 people received a vaccine dose last week for the first time. That was our highest figure to date. And as of Monday, 1.8 million vaccine doses have been administered over 30, that's over 35 percent of the adult population have had at least one dose. And the European Medicines Agency, they're saying this is something that we had some calls in yesterday about booster doses and what we need to get a booster dose. They're saying it's still too early to say whether a third vaccine dose or a booster dose might be required. The head of biological health threats and vaccines at the European Medicines Agency said that more data and real world evidence was needed. Only this type of evidence then will give them the data that they need to make a good understanding of when would be the right time to give a third dose if a third dose would be needed and they also added that it could be a booster dose of the of an existing vaccine or it, they may need to develop and there may be new vaccines developed which obviously they're already working on for the new different variants that are coming out if they find that they, they can tweak a vaccine so that the booster shot will help towards the new variant and if you think about it it's a little bit like what they do every year with the flu jab. People go along every single year for a flu jab and what they do is they look at last year's flu they see what the virus looked like and then they tweak the vaccine so that they have that covered for the next year's flu jab and on and on it goes and it's going to be something similar with COVID-19 for sure. Uh, The European Medicines Agency is also reviewing an application as we mentioned yesterday to extend the Pfizer jab for 12 to 15 year year olds And, and the decision on that is expected to be made at the end of this month. So whether we need a booster or not, they are looking at it very carefully. 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. beautiful Ario Speedwagon on C103 keep on loving uh, you. I was speaking with Ken earlier on uh, when I was teeing up on the programme when we were talking about middle names and it was what, part of his survey today that not everybody are happy with the middle name that they were uh, christened with and then I mentioned I had a brother-in-law uh, whose m- second name was Mary and he was mortified uh, by it. As he got older he was fine but he said as a teenager he absolutely hated it. A listener says on second names I'm Mary Josephine and my husband is Joseph Mary. Isn't isn't that incredible! That's an incredible uh, coincidence. Thank you for that. We've been talking about uh, travel. Hi, uh, Patricia. I saw on Sky News this morning how the strain from India has been detected in Bolton in the UK. I wish this government left travel until next year. I think this year is still way too dangerous, as Claire from Mallow, with the variants from different countries coming in. You won't be on your own on that, Claire. There's a lot of people who will agree with you. And am delighted to say that somebody from West Cork says, Patricia, I'm the very same as you. Since I've registered for my vaccine, I can't stop looking at my phone I'm 60 registered April 28th and no appointment yet oh I'd say you could be getting an appointment in the next day or two because certainly they're pushing like mad to have all the over 60s done by the end of this week. Uh, and of course, the fact you are in West Cork, you may get an appointment this weekend and it would be to probably go into the city. and that's not to say that you won't get uh, Hilty or Bantry uh, either, but keep looking at the phone. I have a funny feeling yours is coming very, very soon. Now, an email in to the programme to cork today at c103.ie from uh, Marie saying, I wonder if you could ask your listeners, please, if anybody has this book for sale, it's out of stock. Everywhere, and unfortunately, it isn't going to be reprinted. Maybe somebody out there has a second hand one that they no longer need. The book is called Tapestry of Light, it's by Tina Claffey. I greatly appreciate anybody's help, please, says Marie. And obviously we have all of Marie's uh, details. Does that book ring a bell with anyone? Has anybody got it? You no longer want it and you'd be willing to pass it on or sell it on to Marie, one of our listeners. Tapestry of Light by Tina Claffey, if you can help us with that. And I also got a response back from Sky TV. Yesterday, somebody asked us if we could find out about the Jim Sheridan five-part documentary on the, do- the death of Sophie Tuscon de plantier in West Cork. Uh, the documentary is called Murder at the Cottage and it was due to st- start on Sky Crime last Sunday night. And the listener said, looking everywhere, couldn't find it. We looked, we couldn't find it. So we got onto Sky because it was, it had been publicised that this five-week documentary series was to start last Sunday but it wasn't there. So we get on to Sky. They've come back to us and they say due to scheduling changes Murder at the Cottage will now will now be available at a later date and they've promised to let us know the new air date uh, when it'll be up and running on Sky Crime. but they have got a new date. They haven't got a new date yet but they say it's due to scheduling changes. So just for that listener, no you didn't miss it. I think somebody was afraid that they'd missed it. A lot of people will be very interested I think in watching this documentary but the sky will let us know and when they let us know, we'll let you know. 1850 333 103
0: Court Today on C103
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie
0: Cork today on
2: scene 103. Call Patricia with
0: your comment. 1850 333
2: 103. Now it seems the government is to force local authorities to allow pubs with no indoor space to expand out onto the footpaths. That was according to the Taunusha Leo Varadkar, who was speaking this week at a virtual conference to, for publicans. To find out the views of publicans, I'm joined by Cork Chair of the Vintners Federation of Ireland, uh, Michael O'Donovan. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. And, and you're welcome. Outdoor drink is to return on June 7th. As an industry, are you ready for that? Yeah, look, uh,
4: Patricia, I suppose, look, um, the last couple of weeks, talking to colleagues, there's great hope and I think uh, people are looking forward to it. But the only caveat is we only have about 30% of our membership that would have facilities either to go out onto a public uh, area or have a private area to serve outdoors. So... Look, it's great that we're, we, we were asking for the roadmap. We were asking for, you know, timelines and dates. And look, we, we we're starting off on the 7th of June. It is a small bit unfortunate that we're not all starting together on the 2nd of June with our hotel colleagues. But look, uh, at least we have a, a plan and we're going forward with it.
2: So that'll be the 7th. And then for, I mean, for you personally, you, you will you open on the 7th? I
4: can't. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a
2: a wide footpath
4: outside uh, my, my my door and I'm landlocked at the back of my premises so I don't have a beer garden. So, unfortunately, outdoor for me, uh, I'm in the 70% of our membership that wouldn't have the facility to go outdoors.
2: So, for the 70% then, you're looking at July?
4: Well, hopefully, yes. The, look, on that same webinar last Tuesday, uh, the Taunas uh, said that uh, he'd be very hopeful and, in fact, he said that he'd nearly put money on it if he was a gambling man. That we will be going indoors in July, and look, what we're hoping for is uh, similar to what happened in Northern Ireland. Three to four weeks—it was three, three and a half weeks—in the north uh, from the time they went outdoors to the time they went indoors, and that would tie in with what the chief medical officer keeps saying, in that we're about four weeks behind the north in mm. vaccination levels. Yeah. So hopefully, we'd be hopeful that um, that we would have similar. Um, uh, results here and early July we'd be prepared to go indoors. Now it, it's not going to be indoors like it was in 2019. We appreciate it's going to be indoors like it was in 2020 that we will have restrictions and we will have to follow uh, the medical advice. So uh, we just have to wait to see what the guidelines are. Now,
2: do you, Have you any indication what those guidelines are going to be?
4: No, look as we sit here today on the 13th of May we're still waiting for the guidelines even for the 7th of June so um we're hoping that they will be produced uh, early next week and give people a, a lead in time to get prepared but um i think we 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 have a general feeling of what it's going to be but we just don't have the specifics yet
2: i mean there are, there has been some talk i mean the 9 euro the substantial meal that's definitely gone isn't it
4: yes the 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 Tea said that there will be no variant uh, or divide between, you know, our trades. that all pubs will open together. So whether you're a food gastropub or a regular traditional pub, you will be permitted to open on the 7th of June. So people can go into their traditional pub if they have the outdoor facilities and just sit down, have a drink. Uh, there'll be no requirement to have any food.
2: And were you happy to hear the Thornish to say, let's never again use the term wet pubs?
4: Yeah, <laughs> <Like> being <laughs> being somebody that comes from that tradition and born in one, uh, I prefer the word traditional pub as opposed to that term. So yes, thankfully, hopefully, we will never again hear that term.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that, that certainly will be uh, well and truly uh, uh, behind us. And and is there also indications the two metre rule that could be shortened?
4: Yeah, the the the, the tarnish that did say on that webinar. Um, on, on Tuesday that uh, they were looking at maybe one, one and a half metre. But look, until we see the guidelines, it's hard to comment. Know, because we know. don't know whether that was just a, um, a slip of the tongue by the Tornish uh, or whether it was something that they have spoken about and whether it's just for outdoors um, or whether it's for indoors. Look, we, we, we are seeing now across the water in the UK that they are moving on June the 24th to reducing down restrictions. But I think the UK
2: are a couple of weeks ahead of us. So, yeah. um, I mean, they're getting rid of social distancing
5: completely.
4: Yes, they are towards the end of June. Although we've we've learned this morning that they're talking about maybe pausing that on the end of June. But look, I suppose for us, uh, we've to get open first in yeah. July. And um, we, as we know, we will have the restrictions, and maybe that's the conversation for six, seven weeks after opening to to, to look towards those. But uh, if we get the guidelines first for the seventh of June, and then on into July. Um, I think we'll have to take it step by step.
2: Now, a couple of people asking the same question about the June 7th opening for outdoor drinks. Will people be able to use the toilets? Yes, that's
4: our understanding. If you are a paying customer in, um, on the premises, you will be uh, able to use the, the, the facilities in that, uh, in that premises. So, yes, look, this is something, I think we've seen it over the last number of weekends uh, across the country, particularly here in Cork City and some towns across county Cork, and um, people uh, getting out, socialising, but obviously no facilities. So, look, when uh, hospitality reopens, and um, especially the pubs reopen, yes, we will be providing facilities.
2: Yeah, and I'm assuming you'll have to put a mask on when you're, yes, if you're walking you, inside, you and, inside and all of that.
4: Yes, the mask will have to be, you sanitise mask uh, all the time inside and then back out to your table again.
2: OK, and any indication from the government about giving financial help, continue financial help to the sector? Uh, look,
4: we, yes, we've undergoing discussions with them, but um, they will be um, announcing around the 25th or 26th of May the strategic plan, and in that we'll have the supports for the hospitality uh, going forward. And look, what we're looking for, it's obvious, look, at the first couple of weeks there is going to be pent-up demand, but as we go through the rest of the year, will demand stay to the same level? So uh, we are asking for the government to give support definitely to the year's end and preferably even to Q1 of next year so the, the the industry can get back on a good footing.
2: So are you feeling more positive this month, Michael, than, say, you were this time last month?
4: Absolutely. Look, the, the vaccine rollout, they, to be fair to the government, I suppose, and ministers that we've been uh, in discussions with, they, they had been saying for, for weeks and months that the vaccine rollout was the key to you know, us getting open, getting the economy going, getting people back to work. And to be fair, I suppose, look, at times it didn't seem like it was going too good. Um, but, uh, but to be fair to them, the last couple of weeks, it's really ramped up. And, um, and yeah, it's a lot more positive even talking to them, uh, to ministers themselves. You know, they're looking now to the future because they know the vaccines are here. They're coming in a steady supply and we'll get to the numbers that they, they, they thought they would. So things can progress.
2: Okay. All right. Listen, Michael, as always, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you. Good morning morning. to you. Bye bye. Michael O'Donovan, chair of the Cork Vintners Federation of Ireland. And actually I was seeing a piece that Owen English has in today's Irish Examiner where he talks about excitement and a whole lot of beer is brewing inside one of Ireland's largest breweries. as production ramps up ahead of the phase reopening of the pubs and the hotels and the restaurants. Some 8.5 million pints of draft beer, stout and cider are set to pour from the production lines of Heineken in Cork. City between now and the 2nd of June when the hotels are allowed to reopen and then of course the following week, June 7th when some pubs and restaurants will open up their outdoor uh, facilities for groups. Production slowed down to a trickle obviously during the uh, pandemic because when you look uh, Heineken said uh, of their 7,000 customers there was only about a thousand of them managed to offer some kind of takeaway service. Production has been scaled up significantly this week. Eight hundred. Kegs an hour, eight hundred kegs an hour. Heineken, Murphy's, Beamish, or thieves and cores all rolling off the production lines uh, yesterday and it's estimated that 95,000 kegs will be produced between now and June uh, 7th uh, with punters gasping for a pint as they're said to flock to outdoor facilities. So the, the beer is being made as we speak. 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
0: Court today on C103
3: With John Cusack Insurance can sell. now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G.ie.
2: Earlier this week we heard that the Dublin Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals were inundated with calls and inquiries from members of the public about teenagers and children buying ducklings from street sellers for as little as €5. Euro. We were thinking that this was just a Dublin problem. Well, it seems it's not just a Dublin issue because a Cork poultry company is also receiving phone calls from young people looking to buy ducklings. Gerard O'Leary from O'Leary's Poultry in McCroom uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Ger. Good morning. And you, you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. The reason behind the interest in baby ducklings is to do with the TikTok craze. What do you know about this TikTok craze? Uh,
6: just people are making videos with them, and uh, this conservation order oh, taking wild ducks, wild baby ducks from uh, ponds and canals in Dublin and Limerick, i say anywhere they can get them. And it's, it's still going on. Um, uh, I see it on these poultry forums on Facebook, I see people showing Snapchats of people that have them for sale and put um, in there. You know, knows what happens to them afterwards. They're either dumping them back into the canal or river, or no one knows, like, and it's just... I, we caught... We, we, we put a post on our Facebooks trying to stop... Uh, that We weren't going to sell any ducklings to anyone when to say the flock number because, well, we would have traceability and we didn't want to go into the wrong hands, like.
2: And that's your big concern, is... Yep. is These little baby ducklings don't stay baby ducklings for long and then it's no. what happens afterwards.
6: Yeah, and if you're... if in the inner city, more than likely they're going to not have the right facilities. They might have, but more than likely they won't, and they want stay that size for um, ever, and they do grow very quick. So if you don't have the right facilities, you shouldn't have them.
2: And you've been getting calls to your own business. Yeah. yeah what kind of be- calls are you getting?
6: Uh well, a lot of people are saying they're, like, they're ringing in there saying uh, they're for a child or they're for, and they be somewhere nearly begging. And uh, one customer we asked we asked the girl I her straight out, I said, What do you wanted for? And she said, uh, TikTok <laughs> And uh then there was a, a man rang one day, uh I another Sunday Monday he rang um and I asked him, I said, Have you a flop number? And he said, uh No He said But he said she should send me one under the table, and he said the young fellow wants one and he said he said, She said this one gives the young fellow. and I said, No, no I said, If you a flop number, no problem, I'll sell you a bird. Um, and uh, he basically called me an effing something, and it, a few more. And I just put the phone down. It's not. It's not worth it. Like I'd, I'd rather not sell a bird. It, it, you know, at least you know if it's with most customers, you know by the way they're asking questions when they want to know what to feed and what way to house them, how much space they need, and do you feel this is basically uh, how much and how fast can they get them?
2: And you're getting calls from all over the country.
6: But well, we do cover Munster and Linster okay. uh with boards but uh, it's it's uh and they're ring late at night as well. They're, you know on, on a Sunday it was nearly the worst. Uh, we were up the country and the office was getting uh formed my wife rang me once said, she said there's girls ring all day for ducklings and uh, um I thought I thought I thought she was exaggerating, you know, and when I got when I came home I had on the phone myself. I uh, don't know how many numbers we blocked they kept ringing looking for ducklings and then they are ringing a private number and I think the last phone call it was in around 11 or after 11 um, or half 11 uh, looking for ducklings
2: And a duckling swimming around somebody's baths in an in inner city is that's is that that's cruel is it? Would you deem that cruel? Well, it,
6: it, if you a duckling they can, they can only stay buoyant for so long and if they're left too long on their own they'll sink. Ah, oh, their down will get waterlogged and they'll 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 sink, and like if 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 the duck more if the duck is wild, the stress it the stress is you know being you know, a wild animal, it it, I'm from his mother it's going to be panicking and it could bring on a heart attack it could just you know it, it will it could, it could kill the bird, but if they are releasing back into the ponds, so the mother duck is gone, mm. and the the, the 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 duck the duck thingy is easy prey for a predator or to just drown one or the other. And do they
2: and then, do they grow very quickly?
7: They do. Uh,
6: you will see a big difference every week in the growth of a duckling. I guess at 10 days old you can take them off heat where a chicken would you need at least three weeks depending on the weather. If the weather was bad they need a small bit longer but ducklings at 10 days old can be taken off heat and they will survive away. But it's different with a wild duck. It They'd be with you know they, will survive. they might survive if they're being looked after. Obviously if there's a duck has been kept in a farm or kept by someone in a small holding, it will be fed and watered. But they're not going to survive on their own at that age, whether they'll be uh, farm reared or wild.
2: And what what do you feed a duckling on?
6: Well, we feed our ducklings uh, they're on poultry starter for about four weeks and then they go on to poultry grower Um but obviously, the wild duck they're eating different things from, you know, insects and stuff like that, and whatever the mother duck will show them to eat, she'll she'll know what's safe to feed them like. Um, I know some people are you could boil an egg and mash it up and feed it back to them, um, but. I, I said I don't. I say people are getting. They don't. They don't. They don't ask the question. Yeah,
2: that, well, that, that's what I'm worried about. I'm thinking of some teenage girl who wants it for her TikTok, uh, you know, t- to get some extra likes on on TikTok, and hasn't a clue what she should and shouldn't be, and and wouldn't even be able to have access to buy the yeah. fees that you're talking well, about. You can't yeah, go into the supermarket and pick that up. No, they might get
6: in some pet shops but I, I don't know about in the city. But I don't know about the city. But they have, have that because even something we find it hard. Some of our feed suppliers they wouldn't have it the whole time. You know, you'd have to have it ordered well in advance at certain times of the year. But it's just, I, I don't know, we, we just caught, we on our Facebook page, we put up a post um, that we didn't want. We just wanted, we, we didn't expect all the, the media attention from it. We were—we just wanted to stop people ringing because we did not want to sell poultry to people that aren't going to look after them. Now, we're not saying some people are probably, are looking after them and they know what they're doing, but I say the majority don't. And
2: yeah, but not not kids that want it for the cuteness. No. And then once once the cute little stage is gone, they're of no they're of no interest or of no use to those to, to those kids. Yeah. That's the and problem. Any
6: like if I, if any children I've ever by board's office, you could tell their parents are with them, and they do have a genuine interest. And but that that'd be, that would be before there was any TikTok videos or anything like that. But you would know the child would come prepared with a cage. They'd have they'd be asked lot of feed and all that, and they. You, do, you just know they'd be actually a different breed and you'd know that they are interested in, in the bird. And if you're not interested in an animal, you shouldn't have it.
2: Yeah, and I take it some children take it on almost like a, a pet and a hobby. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I know Nothing you, wrong. That's a, that's a lovely thing to do.
6: Yeah, going to poetry shows and stuff like that. Do they? is Isn't that yeah, great? Yeah, uh, like we go to shows there in ourselves and even <laughs> we go we go, we go over to the UK as well, looking at shows as well, bird shows. um. They're all poultry fanciers and some of them are from like, they do it from a child up to their 70 or 80 or more,
2: you know. Yeah, it's a real hobby. A hobby. Yeah, it's a, it's a real hobby. And commuter, how has business been during the pandemic? There was a surge last year in poetry, yeah. There, there was,
6: as was with COVID, more people were at home and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot more uh, people keeping two or three hens.
2: Yeah, have have your have your own uh, have your own fresh eggs every morning. There's something lovely yeah. about that.
6: Yeah, there, there was. I say anything to do with uh, I suppose, grow your own, whether it was vegetables or or chickens or ducks. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. People really it, it, got into it. There has been a bit of a surge, and it's all
2: right. Yeah, it's great. It's it's great. And and listen, well done to you for what you did by putting up that post on on Facebook. And I, w- I was looking at your Facebook page uh, yesterday. You got a you got a fantastic reaction from people complimenting you and saying, you know, it isn't all about business. It isn't all about just no. selling these ducklings and making as much money as you can. You no. re- you you really are responsible. So well done.
6: Yeah. No. Like this. If if we didn't look after animals, we wouldn't have a business. And they. they Basically, put my, my bread and butter on the table. So I, I, I look after them because they have to look after me, do you know. So yeah. I'm not, I, I, and I, 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 you know, we have butter, we have ponies, something. Like, we have a hen at home, and uh, if she lives past June or July this year, we have her 20 years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't and normally it, live that long. No, no, no. It, it, it's anything from three to five years. Now, ducks would be longer; they could live up to uh, anything from five to 10 years. Come
2: here, have um, you a name on that hen.
6: No. no. We, just her, we just call her the old team. <laughs> <laughs> But she's out her she's at her, leave all her her children, her grandchildren, her whatever she's she's um no, she's in she's in full fettle still. She's good and good and flighty and good and she lay no egg this year. First of the year we've no egg out
2: of her. But she was laying up to last year.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Not, so not, ver- not very well
2: but, but, but still still yeah, but yeah. so she'll just live out her days happily. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant we, we, we That's can't brilliant.
6: her range too much now in case the fox gets her but um, I don't know how long she lived for but, um, 20 years
2: that's incredible
6: well, she's not twenty until June or July. we'll, well, have, f- her, we'll have her twenty years in.
2: Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. Listen, Jar. Gerard,
6: yeah.
2: Gerard, once again, well done. I think it's, fa- it's, it's 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 fantastic what you do from the animal rights point of view as well. But just to get that message out to people, if your children are looking for ducklings, you need to question why they want the ducklings and 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 how how much it takes to look after these. They are living animals. At the end yeah. at the end of the day,
6: and uh, the door of the customer on on Tuesday. Tell me in. in in Bunratty that I think are only in uh baby goats
2: or another fad oh, stretchful. dreadful dreadful yep. dreadful and it's just it's fads and the fads the past, and then what happens to the poor little yep. animal listen yep. Ger, thank you for that stay safe no and matter. thanks for joining us good, good morning to you bye bye that is uh, Gerard O'Leary of O'Leary's Poultry in Macroom on that new TikTok craze with uh, baby ducklings and the thought of them taking the wild baby ducklings as well is horrible Jim says maybe Ger should call that hen COVID or Corona for the times we're living in I just love the fact it's called the old uh, hen And Jim says, fair play to him for not making a quick buck and thinking of the welfare of the ducklings. Yeah, that was one of the reasons that we really wanted to bring him on, uh, because I think it's terrific. He's in business and he could easily have made money out of it and he decided uh, not to. Well done to him. OK, we need to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way in the uh, next hour. Uh, We're going to hear about the government considering banning smoking outdoors. How would you feel about that?
3: Court
0: today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed
2: Now last week on the programme I spoke with businesswoman Emma Fitzpatrick who was, along with some of her neighbours, were campaigning and highlighting the fact of poor and unstable broadband within the Nakawada area where they live which is just outside of uh, Clannacilty. And during the highlighting of the fact that they couldn't get poor broadband they put a call out to Elon Musk's SpaceX. SpaceX, space and satellite communications company, to say could Elon Musk help them in any way? Well, Emma's back on the program this morning. Good morning, to you, Emma. Good
8: morning, Trisha. Thanks so much for having me. Back well,
2: on. I, well, I'm thrilled, and I'm absolutely <laughs> delighted to hear this. Did you, Elon Musk? I don't know. I don't know if it was himself. His company has contacted you.
8: Absolutely. Yeah, we were we were so desperate that we reached out to um, Elon Musk's press company. Yeah. Um and. Within and having spoken on, the, on um, other radio programs during the week, we actually were contacted by them directly by the head of SpaceX. And they offered to trial their Starlink, Starlink satellite program for myself and Leslie. So the shipment has been ordered and we're really, really excited about the, this recent development. <laughs> and is there a cost involved? Well, they're going to trial it for us for a few months and then if it's successful and if we're happy with it, then of course we'll start paying for it. Yeah. But what's exciting about this is that they have already started this in um, a local area in Kerry and it has the potential to work with broadband dead zones, which is what we are. Yeah. So we're very excited to trial it anyway.
2: Because the one thing you've been pointing out to us last week was you have no date on when rural broadband would arrive to you. I mean, that was the big frustration, wasn't it?
8: That was the big frustration. And actually, this campaign will continue because we really are adamant that fibre is the answer for these broadband dead zones. And it just stops a mere one kilometre up the road from us. So we are really hoping that we can still be reached out to by the NBI to give us a date. So that not only my son Leslie, but the other two businesses in the local area, families, others who are trying to work from home, educate their children and basically connect to the modern world will all be able to have good quality and stable broadband, you know.
2: And there's so much talk as well about uh, blended working now as we come out of this pandemic and that's where we're staying positive we are coming out of this pandemic and people are going back into the office but not everybody wants to go back into the office and not everybody wants to get into that the rat run of commuting to work and people are now wanting to move out of the cities and they want to move into rural Ireland but you can only do that and work in rural Ireland with good broadband. That's,
8: that's the whole point. But not only that, um, from September onwards, it's going to actually be enshrined in law that people can spend 20% of their work life at home, working from home. But for this to be able to take place, as you pointed out, we will need proper broadband. So the government really has to follow up on these promises and on these measures with good quality fibre or, you know, subsidised good quality satellite or maybe install more masks, but enable people... Um, us, particularly in rural Ireland, to be able to do so and connect to modern life, be able to use what's now really a public utility. You know, we all need broadband. So, yeah, we're hoping that they will kind of listen to us as an example um, and that people, in order for people to actually be able to stay connected, that they don't have to launch a campaign and reach out to Silicon Valley in order to be listened to, really.
2: Well, you, you reached for the stars and, and <laughs> you certainly grabbed one on the way back down for sure. So well done. Well, well really done. Well, and keep us posted, will you, Emma, as to, as to how yourself and Leslie get on? Absolutely. Thank you so well much. Done. Well done. Well done. Bye bye. Same to you. That's uh, uh, There's somebody who's certainly going to have a good day. That is Emma Fitzpatrick. And well done to Elon Musk's SpaceX company uh, for reaching out to Emma and to Leslie. We wish them nothing but luck. Now, some of your texts coming in to. To us, uh, before I get to those ones, can I? There's a text in listeners looking for some help, and we always like to get stuck in and see if we can help anybody uh, out. Hi, Patricia. Could you ask any of your listeners? Is there anybody out there that would have a treadmill that they're not using at the moment? I suffer from a very painful back injury, uh, but due to the amount of movement I have, it's very embarrassing for me to go out and walk where I live as my movement is very slow. So having a treadmill in my house would be of huge benefit to me as I live alone, Um, as I live alone and can get it collected as I live alone and can get it collected. OK, they, they are willing to, because yeah, obviously it's going to need to be threadmills. they not something you can just pop in the post. I live in the Carrigaline area. OK, so anyone in the Carrigaline area, ideally, where you wouldn't have to travel too far, that has a threadmill that you're no longer using, that you'd be willing to pass on. Now, I don't know whether you'd be willing to give it to this person. Uh, for free, whether you'd be willing to loan into this person while they recover from their back uh, injury. Uh, we have this listener's details here. So if anybody can help us out with that, a treadmill that you're no longer using. And I know threadmills very much became the vogue and lots of people were buying treadmills. certainly in the early days of lockdown. It kind of became a big thing to have your own kind of home gym. But many people bought treadmills, and you start off great on any of those pieces of equipment. It's like the exercise bikes And then the kind of the novelty wears off. I don't know how many people I know that would have an exercise bike or egg. And I know I had a cross trainer in my house for many, many uh, years as well that it was used to hang up washing on in the end. People just, you know, it became something to hang your clothes up on Uh, so if you're in a situation like that that you have a treadmill or maybe you had a treadmill that somebody in the house was using that they're no longer using if you can help us can you give John Paul a call and we can put you in contact with our listeners to say the listener is in the uh, Carrigaline area and is willing to collect the treadmill or have it collected for her. 1850 333103 if you can help us out with that. On vaccines Hi Patricia, I got my COVID shot in Killarney Vaccination Centre just want to say how professional and friendly. Every single person was so well done to everyone there and to all of the HSC many, many thanks. Hi Patricia I'm over 60. I got my appointment for my vaccine today. I live exactly two miles from the vaccination centre in Clannochilty but guess what? My appointment is for Porky Queef. Why did we have to give our air codes if they're not sending us to our closer vaccination centre? It is ridiculous. I assume that you weren't listening to the programme yesterday because I started, the, or maybe you just didn't hear the start of the programme. I started the programme yesterday with an email that we got in from the HSE who were advising us that some people in North and West Cork would be receiving their COVID vaccinations by appointments yesterday, today and probably maybe even tomorrow, and that they would be asked to go to the Cork City. This weekend to get their vaccine, they reckon about 2000 people in the 60 plus age group based in West Cork and North Cork would be getting a text message either yesterday, today or tomorrow, and they will be asked to go to the city. They're trying to move along the 60 plus age group in Cork. They're trying to get, because so many people registered, they're trying to get them all appointments within this week so hence the reason they have more availability for vaccination slots in the city than unfortunately they have in either of the Clonacilty one in West Cork or the Mallow one in North Cork and that's not to say that people are not getting appointments for Mallow and Clon they are but 2,000 people are are being asked to go to the city so that's the reason and it wasn't that they ignored your postcode they're just trying to get through the over 60s group and do it as quickly as possible making way then for the over 50s or the under the, the 50 to 59 year olds even though we are hearing from 52 people in their late 50s in particular 58, 59 year olds who are after getting appointments as well and then here's one has this happened to anybody else Patricia is this normal practice for the vaccination centre to call you with a couple of hours notice for your vaccination shot my neighbour was phoned yesterday uh, they, she wasn't given the usual one week's notice could you discuss this and raise this on your programme please I'm assuming what has happened there is the vaccination centres they're rolling through throughout the day there's going to be no shows they're also going to realise they're going to have vaccin- vaccines left over and rather than waste the vaccines I'm assuming that's what they're doing they are calling people I've heard of GP practices certainly that was doing it I heard of one GP practice up the country that was coming to the end of the day and they realised they had five vaccines that would have to end up in the bin and they she went out onto the street and asked five random people do you want a vaccine and needless to say the five people ran in and said of course we do and took the vaccines immediately so I'm assuming but that's what's happened to the vaccination centres. They just realised that they've extra vaccines and they're just going down through the list of, on, that's on the computer, the list of people that, that have registered. And I'm assuming that your neighbour went in. I mean, if it doesn't suit, I mean, if you're only getting a few hours notice and the slot doesn't suit, I'm assuming you can just tell the person that, no, I'm not able to make it. But if you are able to make it, give me a few hours notice, I'd be gone like a shot pardon the pun for the shot uh, but I ha- have I heard of it happening no that's not to say that it hasn't happened in other areas as well or maybe it's just happening this week as they're trying to get through I know they're really trying to get through all the 60 to 69 years anybody else heard of that or did it happen to uh, anyone that you know or did it happen to yourself where you actually got a phone call from the vaccination centre with a few hours like I say a phone call in the morning to say could you come in in the afternoon or in the evening let us know 1850 333 103 and here's Patrick in Formoy who's a happy man today says Patricia. I registered as a 58 year old for my vaccine on Wednesday of last week and I received a text last night to go to Mallow GAA Complex tomorrow Friday for my Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. Happy days. Thanks for all the work you're doing and keeping everybody updated on the vaccine uh, rollout. That's our, our pleasure. Uh, kind regards. And that's from Patrick in fromoy Best of luck to you, Formoy. Now not everybody is happy about vaccinations and let's be honest, they reckon Do they reckon about 85% of people are going to be very happy to take a vaccine? But of course, there are people, and that's not not just in this country, but there are people who are anti-vax, don't believe in the vaccination at all. It's a worldwide uh, problem. It doesn't seem to be as bad in this country. We are a country that's desperate to get the vaccines and the majority of people want to get the vaccine, but there are people who don't, including someone who's contacted us this morning. Where has it gone to? John and Yall is one of those. And when I was talking about foreign travel and how vaccinated people will be able to travel abroad for foreign holidays, they reckon from around July. And I was talking about the European Union and they're setting up the with the vaccination passport almost it's going to be called this green uh, certificate and that's going to be introduced and then people will be allowed to travel between one European country and another European country even though it'll be up to each individual country to decide whether they want to allow uh, people to go to a certain country you know if there's high rates of COVID-19 and there may be spikes and there may be other waves of COVID-19 throughout the summer the government then may decide that such and such a country is not safe to travel to at the moment Uh, so therefore even with your vaccination passport you'll be asked and not to go John says what about those of us who do not want to take the vaccine the talk is all about those who wish to take the vaccine but what about the cohort who will not be receiving the vaccine are we then to be stranded in Ireland forever well I don't know about forever John but it absolutely is your choice not to take the vaccine And you can't blame the government on this one because it's not the government that are dictating who can and can't leave this country. There will be airlines that will say to you, you can't get on a plane unless you either have your vaccine or you have your negative PCR test. But also when you say stranded in Ireland forever, there will be other countries that will not allow you to enter their country unless you have been vaccinated. And I'm assuming Ireland is going to do pretty much the same thing as well because if they're talking about allowing vaccinated people to travel abroad, it's going to be the same with people uh, coming back into this country. And this isn't anything new. You know, with people talking about, you know, being stranded forever and what are the government doing to us, there is a thing, for example, called a yellow cert And I know there's certain African countries that you can't travel to unless you have a yellow cert. And what is a yellow cert? A yellow cert basically means that you've been vaccinated against yellow fever and yellow fever was a disease that was crippling and destroyed a lot of African countries. So there's now a vaccine for it. But if you want to travel to those countries, the only way you can get in, that you can get past passport control, is to show them that you had your vaccine before you travel. And lots of people have done that. So, you know, it it isn't anything new. This isn't, we're not inventing the wheel uh, here. We are living in a global pandemic and every country is trying to protect their own citizens and their own borders. And if they've managed to get the pandemic under control by vaccinating people, why would they be throwing the doors open to allow everybody in who wasn't uh, vaccinated? And you can't point, the. we blame the government for a lot of things, but this is one thing you can't blame the government for. You're not going to be stranded You will feel like you're stranded in this country, John, if you're not able to leave. But I go back to the fact it's your decision. Nobody's forcing you to go and have a vaccine. But if you do decide to go and have a vaccine, which the majority of people in this country are opting to do then you'll be given your certificate and you will be able to uh, leave this country. Eighteen fifty three 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 one o three, And thank you to somebody who was listening to me talk about the email that I got in. Where's that email gone? It's over here. The email that I'd in from Marie early this morning asking had any of our listeners had a book called Tapestry of Light by Tina Claffey. Well, one of our listeners went did a bit of research for us, and Elizabeth, thank you, Elizabeth, and says, "Trish, this book looks like looks like it's available in Waterstones," and she's uh, sent on uh, the a photograph of the book, and it's up on. I'm I'm assuming that's Waterstones their website. So if, if Marie wants to try Waterstones, because she said she's tried everywhere and they're out of stock, but it's come up on that website for Waterstone. so if the listener wants to try that, if Marie wants to try that, she may be able to, to get one there. 1850 333 103 John Paul is taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C 103 Jobs. Carpenter is required for Cork City uh, any positions all positions available for electricians also in Ringaskiddy, McCroom and in Blarney we're looking for a child binder three days per week, it's from the 12th of July to the end of August it's for two children, they're aged four and six and it'll be in the children's own home in the Kilbritton Ballinadee, Bandon area Arctic Driver wanted for the North Cork area, while Ducon Concrete, they're looking for a HGV mechanic. We have many, many more jobs on our job link today if you'd like to check them out you can go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. This is C103.
0: Cork Today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
2: Now the Cabinet has agreed to look at extending the smoking ban to cover outdoor areas, especially where food is being served. A Smokers Representative Group has said there is no justification for banning smoking in outdoor spaces. And John Mallon of Forest Ireland uh, joins me. Good morning to you, John.
9: Good morning, Patricia. Now, Thank it, you for inviting me. It,
2: well, it looks like it's the former health minister, James Reilly, who's now, of course, the senator. He has said smoking outdoors still poses a health risk. You but, disagree with that?
9: No, it's not a case of I disagree with it. Uh, James Reilly doesn't, uh, for a medical man, doesn't seem to know a whole lot. Um, Smoking is measured indoors to justify um, the smoking uh, ban indoors as a health issue, a public health issue. um, They use a machine that measures cotinine levels in the air. Cotinine suggests the the, uh, presence of nicotine, therefore the presence of smoking. So they can measure the density of cotinine uh, to see how high it is, and therefore they can say that there's a danger posed by the amount of smoke in the air indoors. C- cotinine can't be measured outdoors. That's just one thing. And there has been no research. Like, I, I remember back when the ban was being introduced, I had 88 different research projects from around the world that I was looking at on uh, secondhand smoke. But there are absolutely none whatsoever done outdoors.
2: Uh, but, he, so but, but he says it's also annoying to those who want to eat outdoors. Was,
9: no, that, that's completely different. I'm glad you said that, Patricia, because, you see, if it's not a public health issue it's a personal preference issue. So what you're actually telling me is that James uh, James riley the ex-minister for health, now has a preference for not having smokers in the out, uh, smoking in the outdoor space. That's what you're telling me. Now, we're dealing with something uh, in terms of cigarettes, uh something that's absolutely legal and something that that uh, brings in nearly a billion a year in revenue uh, in tax. Uh now he wants, it's one thing to ban smokers from the indoor space, it's quite another, the outdoor space. So our opposition is to banning smoking in outdoor drinking areas. I'd, I'd like to make that plain to you. I think the smokers should use their common sense regarding places where people are eating. Uh, but in terms of drinking areas, uh, a pint and a fag go together like like bread and butter.
2: And a lot of smokers will tell you that as, as well because a lot of smokers when they try to kick the habit they have to lay off the drink for a while exactly, because as soon exactly. as the pint is in their hand. Yeah. Now a lot of these laws though John are introduced to protect children from taking up the habit and surely that's a positive. Nobody, even smokers would not want their children smoking.
9: I Say, Patricia, that's ridiculous. That's uh, that's. Uh, I, I, I've heard that before, and I think it's the height of silliness. Children, Why? Because children will do exactly what they want. Every one of us, if we're truthful, started smoking well before we were eighteen. Some as young as I started smoking when I was twelve. Um, it, it, children will do as they please, and today they have the money to do so. Uh, an adult smoking, people smoking in a, in a pub, first of all, children shouldn't be there, it's an over 18 spot. But secondly, they're not going to look at an adult and say, oh, I think I'll do that. In fact, if if they saw adults smoking, be the one thing that would put them off doing it. Um, no, that's, that's nonsense. That would be like saying, I don't see children seeing adults praying in church. It might make them decide to do it, they should have a choice, you know. Uh, the children will do as they please. So that, that, that argument falls down completely. But, you know, on the subject of children, if you're talking about personal preferences, there might be an argument to be made for not having children in pubs. I mean, if you can uh, ban smokers from, from having a smoke outside, why can't you ban children as well? It's an adult place. You see, that's where personal preference takes you. It takes because it what, the
2: children might be annoying to some of the other exactly. adults who are out.
9: Exactly. But by the same token, I think children have every right to be with their parents. That would be my view. And, if the, and their parents' money is as good as anybody else's. And indeed, the smoker's money is as good as anybody else's. So when you start, like O'Reilly, uh, like James O'Reilly, picking on, on, on something on the basis of your personal preference, uh, then you get into very dangerous territory. Maybe we could have a politician-free pub.
2: Uh, so so but with so much and we've been talking about hospitality earlier on the program hospitality moving uh, outdoors because of the pandemic exactly, yeah. if this was introduced john would that affect the trade do you believe of course it would mm-hmm.
9: of course it would sure ask ask any publican today that was around 20 years ago they they'll tell you that the smoking ban decimated them literally the the week of the smoking ban uh, I spoke to one up in in um, in, in uh, well, I won't I won't mention the pub because it's the only one up there. But it, the, the public and the owner of the pub there it said to me that the week after the ban, his take fell seventy percent, and he said it, it never readjusted back, never got back. And and then they they they, they started enforcing very strict uh, lower, lower limits uh, on drink driving, and that was the end of people going to the pub. That destroyed the pub industry.
2: Yeah, but you go to a pub and, and take a look at any of the smoking areas, they're probably some of the busiest areas of most pubs.
9: Well, yes, but, it, but they're outdoors, remember, where yeah. smokers aren't harming anybody else. Now, if a non-smoker decides to go out there and mix... That, that, that's Their choice. That, that's their choice, but they have a choice. And you see, if, think about it, Patricia. At the moment, we're saying that, that smokers, um, they're proposing smokers not be allowed in an outdoor area to have a cigarette. They're not allowed in the indoor area. Now, the non smoker is allowed in both, but when it rains, the non-smoker is not going to be out in the rain.
10: Mm.
9: The the smoker is. Um, I think a bit of fairness and a bit of common sense before it turns into a nasty, argumentative, confrontational thing, uh, which it could do, because in the end, you're saying to smokers, your money's no good to you. I know you're not uh, doing anything illegal. It isn't a health issue. Uh, it's a question of preference. We just don't like you.
2: I was trying to get the figures the figures on the uh, the prevalence of smoking in, in this country. Now, I don't, I don't know whether it's because of the pandemic. I can't get up-to-date ones. The only ones I can find are from 2020, which is looking back at uh, 2019. I mean, the prevalence of smoking dropped from 23% in 2015 to 17% in 2019. And uh, the plain packaging, of course, uh, came in in 2018. And, and that's a number of people gave up smoking uh, because of that. I mean, smoking is in the decline in this country, isn't it?
9: Oh, absolutely, and it was in fact it was in the decline before the ban was brought in. Um, in 1974, back back in 1974, the level of smoking, the smoking numbers, were up around 70 percent for men uh, and 62 percent for women oh, qu- of the population. <laughs> So the number of smoking had been falling naturally until the ban was brought in, and then they went up back up again. They they, they were down to point, uh, 21.5%, I think it was, the year the ban was brought in, and they went back up to 29%, where they stayed stubbornly, and then started to fall again. But the, the number of smoking has started to fall recently. Um, the recent fall, let's say, in smoking is, is due to e-cigarettes, the availability of e-cigarettes. But of course that can't be, they can't accept that because if you look at the plan they have that includes outdoor smoking, they're, they're looking at trying to restrict e-cigarettes as well.
2: Ireland set a target of being tobacco-free by 2025. Yep. I mean, that's at 2021, that's only a few years uh, away. Is that still on the cards? Well, you see,
9: it's as simple as this. We're, we're in a democracy. Uh, people have free will, they have free choice as long as they're not doing something illegal. So you can have any aspiration you want. Uh, You you, you can come up with any sort of old nonsense and say we aspire to this by 2025. It'll happen if people want it to. And it won't if people don't want it to. It's as simple as that. And that's the way it should be. And, you know, government have a certain amount of responsibility uh, in terms of our health, in terms of public health. Uh, One would be to try to, to, uh, with the money that's being invested in it, try to have a good health service now we don't, we've seen with the vaccines all the problems with the rollout of that something you'd say that should be very simple but the government's first responsibility uh, is to provide us with a decent health service, we don't have that we have overcrowding back in the hospitals again that's long before they go anywhere near uh, lecturing us on how we live
2: Yeah but if you continue to smoke you're at higher risk of ending up wanting and needing that health service aren't you?
9: Well look every day of your life you're increasing the risk of being, being uh, in danger of ill health. You know, the older you get, the worse it gets, I assure you. <laughs> so it isn't just smoking. It's everything. The food we eat, um, what we drink, the air we're breathing. Um, the, the EPA are able to tell us that the air we're breathing is dangerous. You know, uh, diesel fumes. Uh, are carcinogenic I don't know whether you know that or not Yeah. Uh, and they're legal
2: so it is well legal. you know and, and we can argue about cigarettes till the cows come home you, they, they're legal they're you know exactly they mightn't want us they mightn't want people to smoke but they are still legal well, Joe, Joe in Domanway one of our listeners says I don't want to be standing outside enjoying a drink with somebody puffing cigarette smoke into my face it's a vulgar habit smoke at home not anywhere where there are members of the general public I always hold my breath when I'm passing a smoker on the street even now when I'm wearing a mask Ask.
9: I should God love your intolerance? Um, that's that's uh, you know that sort of stuff. Uh, that that's uh, that's. Uh, uh, look at me, I'm 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 wonderful. The smokers are awful, hateful people. That's dreadful, judgmental nonsense. I hate to hear comments like that.
2: Uh, Mike says people are using e-cigarettes indoors. We need to have a discussion on uh, that. That needs to be banned indoors. Absolutely, think, leave- yeah. And Mike says leave outdoors alone, though. Okay, yeah. E-cigarettes, e-cigarettes, e-cigarettes. Uh, they were they, wrongly named. They're not
9: cigarettes as such. Um, all of the dangers associated with smoking and with secondhand uh, smoke is smoke. In other words, you take uh, a plant, tobacco and you set it on fire, and the resultant smoke can be carcinogenic. Uh, The same with a house fire, for example, or a barbecue. Barbecues are carcinogenic, um, but we don't have too many of those. But in the event, uh, that's where the danger lies. Now, with an e-cigarette, you're taking a liquid and heating it, and just like your kettle, you'll get a resultant steam. That's what you're looking at. Uh, and some of it smells pepperminty and some of it can smell of raspberry, but that's what you're actually looking at. There is no public health issue with uh, using them indoors. They're not a danger to you, in other words.
2: And has that been proven? This, this, oh, yes, this, absolutely. This side, okay.
9: But the proof of it is simple you're not burning something organic and okay. creating smoke, nothing is lit.
2: Deirdre in Rochester says, I can understand the smokers point of view as it is outside, but I do feel when anyone is eating a meal, I would rather not have somebody smoking close by. By the way, I used to be a smoker. I am now an ex-smoker. And in fairness, I think if you're sitting at a table outdoors with a group and you're eating, I think the majority of people wouldn't light up a cigarette. You
9: see, it comes out. I said it at the start. We're talking about drinking areas. Um, where, where the publican is concerned if they have an eating area the publican can quite simply say uh, it's no smoking please don't smoke in that area if you want a cigarette there's a nice smoking area just around the corner go there, go <coughs> go there, around there, that. and nobody would have an objection to that
2: Gerry in Turk, I wasn't aware of this and, and I don't know if you are uh, says that uh, what does John make of New Zealand they're hoping to be smoke free by 2025 and they're going to make it illegal to sell cigarettes
9: yeah, quite possibly they will. My
2: son lives in New Zealand. Is that true? Is that what New Zealand are doing?
9: They're, they're talking about They're discussing it. But Myanmar made it illegal um, to smoke in that country. Uh, and it ran for about a year and a half. Now, Myanmar, <laughs> I'll say the war. But um, they dropped it. They, they, they dropped the, the law. It was only ridiculous. But, but in the event, you know, it's prohibition. It's quite dangerous to prohibit something. It makes it very popular.
2: Yeah, and people just buy it. It's are very perverse. Okay, on on back to e uh, e cigarettes. Somebody uh, says it's not true to say that they don't damage your health. What about popcorn lung? Popcorn lung.
9: Popcorn lung is this was something that came up in the U.S. um, Popcorn lung. It is an unproven. It's a suggested thing. Popcorn lung. You can get, for example, miners used to get it. Um, You can get it from inhaling uh, certain types of chemicals. popcorn lung is not very prevalent. If if it were something caused by e-cigarettes there would be an awful lot more of it. Um, there have been a few isolated cases uh, they haven't been proven to be uh, co- <coughs> excuse me, caused by e-cigarettes so it's not something I would take too seriously.
2: Okay and are you still smoking yourself John?
9: <laughs> so Actually I gave up smoking uh, using an e-cig uh, about oh, five years ago now and uh, I only use the e cigarettes as a stopgap, you see. Yeah. Some people use it as a, as a recreational thing in itself. Um, I used e cigarettes for about three years and then I quit that.
2: And did you find it hard to quit the e-cigarette?
9: No, I, no. And I don't think I'd have been able, equally I wouldn't have been able to quit smoking without the use of it. Is your health improved? No, it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I actually feel no different at all. Uh, no, you could argue I don't feel any worse. Yeah, yeah. But I don't feel any different.
2: Okay. All right, John. Listen. Thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Okay. Patricia. Good morning, Chair. I... Yeah, bye bye. That is John uh, Mallon of Forest Ireland, which is the smokers' uh, representative group. I was just on that New Zealand uh, story. Uh, proposals include making the sale of cigarettes to anyone born after two thousand and four illegally. Okay. They're going to limit it. They're going to limit it by age group. New Zealand have announced a suite of proposals aimed at outlawing smoking for the next generation and the moving cl- moving the country closer to. A goal by 2025. The plans include the gradual increase of the legal smoking age, which would extend to a ban on the sale of cigarettes and tobacco products to anyone born after uh, 2004. Okay, it's not a complete ban on cigarettes. sales. It's to try to stop the younger generation. We'll watch that one with interest because at the moment it's illegal in this country for to sell cigarettes to anybody under the 18, under the age of 18. That doesn't mean under 18. Don't smoke. 1850 333 103. Court
0: today on C103.
3: With John Cusack Insurance's can Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Court
2: today on C103. Text or WhatsApp
0: Patricia, with your comment. 086 And we're going
2: to Mallow Garda the Station for this week's Guard the Fire, where we're joined by Sergeant Tony Cronin. Cronin. Good morning to you, Tony.
7: Good morning, Patricia. And,
2: and you are welcome. And let's start with some thefts, uh, starting with a theft from Donerel.
7: Yes, uh, Patricia. Um, we have a theft there. It's from last Saturday, and it was a daytime theft, anytime from 9 a.m. onwards to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And it happened in the Scarred Garn- Gannon area of Donnerill uh, from a dwelling house where there was garden benches. They're cast iron uh, garden benches. And they, they are quite valuable. And these were taken from outside the, the front of the dwelling house. Now, these items would be um, quite large and they would be heavy to lift. So you would need at least two people and you'd need a means of transport to take them as well. So, so somebody may have seen somebody value, with, a, with a
2: trailer or a van. Exactly. loading them up yeah
7: exactly you would and you'd need two people you wouldn't lift this, any of these okay. on your own so what we we're looking for is anybody in the vicinity of Scarlet which is very close to Thornpike Cross did you see anyone acting suspiciously in that area it's last Saturday between 9am and 4pm and again there may have been someone walking on the road someone cycling on the road uh, you may have seen something unusual there's a lot of people using this uh, road the link road between uh, Donerail and Kildare. And you have a lot of dwelling houses on this uh, road, so we would ask if anyone has any information, they would please contact the gardaí in or in Mallow and uh, give any information possible. Uh, again, okay. it was outside the front of a dwelling house, and they would have had to have transport to move these two um, reasonably heavy items—cast uh, iron uh, garden seat benches.
2: Okay. So. And the next is a wallet from an unattended car.
7: Yes, Patricia, this goes back to the 4th of May last, it was uh, last uh, Tuesday week. This happened out in Roskeen, um, which would be on the Mallot to Killarney Road. And if people aren't overly familiar, there's a garage there and there's also a mobile chipper in the vicinity there. And there's kind of a, a large area on the right hand side where cars park from time to time. People might go for a walk or they might carpool there, etc. But just on this occasion, there was an item of property left inside in the front um, passenger seat, uh, on the floor, sorry. And again, the window uh, was broken because probably this item was seen uh, on the floor. And uh, then they took the item out, um, personal items, belonged to the person, and made their getaway then. So again, we're talking about uh, evening time. This now is quarter past seven in the evening to quarter past nine, so there's a two-hour window. For the first hour, it would have been bright, and then for the second hour, it would be getting dark, to fully dark. So probably people walking in this area, you may have seen someone pull up, uh, check the cars. Uh, You may be able to give us a registration number of a vehicle that might help us or assist us or take someone out of an inquiry.
2: And then the last theft is a farmyard chainsaw.
7: Yes, this is out in Mount Rivers in, in, in Famoy where uh, in the early hours of the morning of uh, the 6th of May last, which will be last Thursday, you had um, a farmyard was entered and there was tools taken, strimmers, um, a chainsaw, um, a Husqvarna rancher chainsaw, and um, you different items in like that taken. So all these items like uh, trimmers and um, chainsaws, they're all easily moved on so what we'd ask is that uh, they'll probably be sold door to door or word of mouth so if you are offered cha- a chainsaw at a very reduced price in good condition or a trimmers you know that uh, it, it, it's not in the right hands. so we would encourage you to contact the local ERD and the guardian from my would be delighted to get a call on that.
2: OK. Now, I certainly notice, uh, and I have a very short commute to work, the, you can see there's more and more people back on the roads, more and more people, thankfully, back to work uh, since the lifting of restrictions last Monday. People need to be careful out on the roads, Tony.
7: Yes, Patricia. We have a lot more uh, volume of traffic on the road for lots of reasons. We have the people that are uh, going back to work, but also we have some shop outlets that have opened up in the bigger towns, maybe, and they're booking by appointment and uh, for essential goods and we have a lot of people that are traveling for these appointments as well so we also have a bit of a change in the weather for the past uh, over the last few days it was wet uh road conditions were wet from time to time having been dry we had the driest month of april in in years so just be aware that when conditions are wet it takes that long to stop and just be mindful that there is a lot more traffic out there and we would encourage also that we are coming into the, the silage season as well, even though the, the growth in the grass hasn't been uh, as much as what the farmers would have wished for. It's probably two or three weeks behind time at this stage. But uh, through the course of the month of May, silage will probably be started to get, uh, be cut and harvested, and we live have a lot of tra- um, tractors on the road. So just be mindful of that. They'll be travelling back roads, smaller roads. So just keep your speed down and be mindful of pedestrians, pedal cyclists, And agricultural
2: vehicles, please. Okay, just everyone be careful. All right, uh, Tony, uh, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thanks for Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Sergeant Tony Cronin, based at Mallow the station. And somebody's asked me to mention uh, and to say happy Eid to all of our Muslim friends uh, today, because uh, today is the celebration of Eid, which marks the end of the month long dawn to sunset fasting of Ramadan.
3: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Just some breaking news, as they say, coming down the wires. It's to do with a video that went viral. Uh, For the last couple of weeks, I've been spotting this video. It was a video of some young girls arriving at Hoth Junction Dart Station. It actually happened on the 1st of April. And as the young girls were arriving, it's the video footage that's taken, obviously, of the fixed camera at Hoth Junction Dart Station. There's young lads, young teenage boys, they're getting off the train and they've got their bicycles with them and as they're getting off the train these young girls are running in to get onto the train you know the panic oh quick, the quick train, the train the train's there and they're trying to run in and they're trying to get a door that's open so that they can get onto the train and the boys start this intimidating really of the young girls I mean if you're looking at the video one of the girls it, it looks like one of the youths spat at her then there's another young girl one of the boys is getting onto his bicycle and he shoots out his foot and kicks her and Then the the most serious was one of the last girls in the group to arrive, rushing to try to get onto the train. And she dodges to avoid these teenage boys who are intimidating her. And as she does, she fell under the train. Now, it looked like that she was rescued and all of that, but it was just really, really scary uh, to see. Well, it seems on a breaking story just in the last couple of minutes that Gardaí uh, carried out a series of searches at five locations across North Dublin this morning and three teenage boys have been arrested. Two 16-year-olds and a 13-year-old were arrested on suspicion of violent disorder under the Public Order Act. A number of items of clothing, bicycles and mobile phones were also seized and the three youths are currently being detained to guard the stations across uh, Dublin and they'll be questioned for up to 24 hours and the investigations are ongoing because I imagine a lot of people saw that video. It was just a shocking, shocking video to watch. These young girls out on... their day out in Hoth trying to get obviously back into the city or going back home wherever they were and the other young lads coming out for their day out with their bicycles it was just really really shocking so good to know because I know a lot of people were commenting on that video footage wondering what are the Garda going to do about it well three of them now have been arrested that'll put manners on them I can tell you 1850 now some of people reacting To our piece that we did with John Mallon and the Cabinet, looking at considering banning smoking outdoors, especially where food has been served. Some of your thoughts on that. Maria from Mayfield says, I'm a non-smoker and when eating a meal, I don't appreciate smokers sitting anywhere next to me. And also pre-COVID as a non-smoker, I could sit inside and therefore avoid the smokers who were out in the smoking area. But now because of COVID, when hospitality reopens, we'll all be forced to sit outside. I think the policies have to change with regard to smoking outside, particularly in regard to hospitality moving outside because of the pandemic. And Sally in West Cork on the e-cigarettes says e-cigarettes have nicotine in them if somebody wants to kill themselves, fine, but not the rest of them. Ban them all, says our Sally in West Cork. And Denise says on the smoking topic, I am an ex-smoker and since I gave up. The one thing I'm very, very aware of is the smell of cigarettes coming from other people who are smoking. And I often think to myself, says Denise, I must have smelled like that when I myself was a smoker. Now, all I can think of when I smell cigarette smoke is I'm inhaling smoke that somebody else has just exhaled from their lungs beside me. I'm taking what they've exhaled into my uh, system uh, by everything that I smell around me. Yuck says Denise. I take it, Denise, you would be very much in favour of a ban on smoking outside. We'll follow and watch this one with close interest. Some more of your calls and texts coming in. Uh, Jim says, Patricia, I got my hair cut yesterday. Well done. It's the first time since last November. i say you needed a good haircut there, uh, Jim. So, the barber said, €15, please, at the end of the haircut. I said, what happened to the OAP price of €10? Well, Says the barber, it's like this. You were an old age pensioner when you walked in that door but you're going out looking six years younger with the haircuts. (laughs) So, 15 euro, please. OK, well, you got your hair done, which is fantastic. Well done, uh, Jim. 1850 Hi, Patricia. I'm just wondering why would a 58-year-old get called to Mallow and yet they're sending 60-year-olds to Cork to get their vaccine? It is a complete joke. And by the way, I'm 64 and I still haven't got an appointment uh, yet. And that's from uh, Mary. Remember, Mary, what we were saying to people last week? Check back on, on the date that you actually registered and if you haven't heard from them in three weeks ring the 1850 1850 number and let them know. We've had one or two people who weren't in contact. There was one last week and it turned out they had a wrong telephone number. Somebody taking the telephone number down incorrectly. so Therefore, of course, she wasn't going to be uh, contacted. But I know we've heard from others who when they contacted the number to say I'm three weeks waiting and they did say when you got your confirmation back, we're all told we're here within three weeks. So mark it on the calendar if you haven't heard within the three weeks. Ring the 1815 number. Tell them that you have the day you registered and that you haven't heard anything. And it seems what they've been doing is they flag it on the system. And we've had a number of listeners who were forced to do that because they didn't hear anything on the three weeks and they said that when it got flagged on the system within a day or two they got an appointment so if you're 64 and you registered on the day for the 64-year-olds would you be more than I don't know what date you registered uh, you need to just, just keep an eye on that but the reason that the f- some 50, some 58 and 59-year-olds are getting appointments in Mayo and why they're sending the 60-year-olds to Cork well the reason they're sending the 60-year-olds to Cork was there was the decision made to send the it, it looks like it's the final kind of two thousand of the over sixty year old cohorts who haven't been vaccinated in North Cork or West Cork. They've decided they're trying to get all of the over sixty year olds done this week. So therefore, in order to speed up the process, they have more capacity in Porky and City Hall than they have in the county vaccination centres so they just want to get through all of the over 60s so that they can focus then on the 50 year olds so I'm assuming that's why and it's computer generated is the way it's it's been done I know some people are very annoyed that they are I mean there's one of our listeners is two miles away from the Mallow vaccination centre and has been sent to the city some people are very annoyed about it having said that listen we've others saying I'd I'd go to Belfast. And I'm actually in that cohort. I'd go anywhere to get a vaccine. I'm I'm so desperate to get on that road of being fully vaccinated. But I absolutely accept that it is causing upset to some people. But listen, they're doing the best that they can to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And you possibly heard there on the news, another milestone is going to be reached. At some stage today, somebody is going to be the 2 millionth jab into somebody's arm. And that's, I mean, from where we started, how slow we were, the process really is uh, starting to speed up. Mary says, hi Trish, I got my second jab yesterday. Well done, Mary. My appointment was for 2.15. I went in to get my jab. I was out again at 2.35. 10 minutes. A big shout out to, is it Maring or is that, is that Marino Medical Centre? I think it's Marino. it's, it's spell check has, has. Mistyped it in. Marino Medical Centre in Bantry. They were so professional from the doctors to the nurses to the clerical staff. Absolutely. Excellent. It's fantastic from Mary. Well done, Mary. And in two weeks time, isn't it? You'll be deemed fully vaccinated. Uh, Go you. Listener then says, Patricia, what can an employer do if an employee doesn't want the vaccine and is working in retail? You know, I don't know the answer to that. And I do know, I've heard of a lot of businesses are discussing that at the moment. What happens when people are returning to work and in retail, they would have, well, if it was non-essential retail, maybe they're only returning. each business has to deal with that differently. I don't know where Labour laws are will stand on this, but I'm I'm sure that Labour laws and then you're going to have people's civil liberties are going to be involved in this. You can't force anyone to get a vaccine. But I I think there's going to be an issue then when you have vaccinated people and a non vaccinated person, how are the vaccinated people going to feel about being in an office or being in a retail setting like a shop with a person who's not vaccinated the person who's not vaccinated could end up getting COVID-19 and then you got people being out sick and people you know there's going to be all kinds of complications but I simply don't know I literally don't know what the answer is it is possibly going to be a legal issue you're going to have to I mean I don't know if you are an employer I would take legal advice because I really don't know. I don't know where you go at with that one. And hi, Trish. I heard the piece on the news. This is from the uh, Joe Cavan the Cork City Mayor who is talking about introducing something to try to end dog fouling. I mean, every single local authority in the country has a problem with dog poo, don't they? I mean, we we seem to think we have a particularly bad here in Cork City and Cork County, but you could go to any local authority anywhere in the country and they'll say we just whatever it is about some and i say some because i think the majority of dog owners are very responsible but for whatever it is in this country we can't make all of our dog owners responsible for picking up after their their dogs and it just causes so much inconvenience for people and remember that mum that we had on who spoke about her little boy who ended up in hospital very very unwell and it turned out to be from dog faeces he was playing in a green area near his house and of course the ball was getting covered in dog poo and the minute he came in she knew by the smell and she just stripped him off and gave him a shower couple of days later, he was very unwell and ended up in hospital uh, and it was traced back to dog fouling. So there's a serious health risks with it as well. Uh, Catherine Glanmire say, says, just to say, listen to your show every day. Thank you. And on the dog poo story that you were carrying on the news, can I tell you about a story of a man that I saw in my area? I saw a man covering his dog poo with grass and then merrily going on his way thinking aren't I great I after I do my bit and Catherine says the real danger there is because he went to the bother of kneeling down and pulling up grass and covering over the dog pool with the grass somebody then walking or a child out playing wouldn't see it because it was covered. Whereas if he'd actually, as irresponsible as it is to leave it uncovered, at least uncovered people might uh, see it. How irresponsible was that? And that's from Catherine in Glanmire. Thank you for that uh, Catherine. We're looking for your pet questions 1850 333 John Paul is taking pet questions. Uh, keep them coming please. Uh, Lisa says anyone that's going to City Hall just to give yourself plenty of time for parking it can be tough to get parking around City Hall. Yeah, I think people that are going for their jabs in Porky Cueve there's no problem there because there's parking at Porky Cueve but for for people go ahead into City Hall just please be aware of that allow extra time because we want everybody to turn up on time to get their jabs and we were talking about publicans being allowed to use the footpaths outside their premises this was something that was mentioned by the Thonis de Varadkar when he did a webinar with publicans this week they're trying to do everything that they can to make life as easy as possible when wet pubs when, and we've got to stop saying wet pubs but when pubs reopen but one of the things he's suggesting is that to get on to local authorities and for them to be more lenient around their rules around allowing people to be outside the premises on a footpath and maybe you know put out a few tables and chairs etc uh, Derry says well I very much welcome the bars reopening and the industry getting back on its feet I don't agree with publicans being allowed to use footpaths outside their premises when I walk past I can get the smell of drink I can get the smell of smoke. People who are standing outside in groups. I sometimes have to end up walking out onto the road as the footpath can be full with people who have ventured out from the pub, drink in hand and uh, smoking. I just feel handing over the footpaths to the bar industry will be simply unbelievable fair 185333103 our lines are open and priscilla indramtarav says does anybody know where she can buy orange petunias i can't get them in any garden center i visited said priscilla many say that they just don't stock them anymore orange petunias Anybody listening to us in a garden centre or was anybody recently in a garden centre where you saw petunias on sale? It's an orange one. So I don't know why, but she needs orange ones in particular. If anybody can point Priscilla Indram Tariff in the right direction, please call us. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary
3: With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme If you or anyone you know Needs help in accessing Non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice See CorkCoco.ie.
2: And Duke of Heritage They're presenting their May Lecture on Zoom It's happening tonight At half past eight With Dr Damien Shields Delivering the lecture on recovering the voices of West Cork in the American Civil War, you can register for the for Zoom at Ducas Clanachiltie Heritage Facebook page, or on their website, which is DucasClanachiltieHeritage.ie. We have two drive-in bingos uh, returning tomorrow night. One is in Kildare at eight o'clock. That's in the Creamery Car Park, and if you're in West Cork, you can head to Castle Bear, Their drive-in bingo returns tomorrow night at half past seven. But please note in Castletown Bear there's a change of location. It'll be held on the east end of the pier. And Boherbury National School are holding a fundraising raffle offering you the chance to win a dream home in Killarney. Uh, that. i not just giving away a house, they have €35,000 in monthly prizes. The first prize is for 10000 and that draw takes place on Friday, the 20, 25th of June. Then there'll be monthly prizes of €5,000 from July through to November. And then the grand draw for the house will take place on the 31st of December, 2021. Tickets cost €100. Euro. They can be had online from winyourdreamhousekillarney.com or by contacting Boherbury National School on 029-76141.
0: Cork today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm.
5: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
3: Life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is
0: the Court Today replay on C103. Court today on C103.
2: Call Patricia with your
0: comment. 1850
2: 333 103. And this Saturday you're invited to join Trevor Welch on C103.ie for the excitement of the Premier League. It's powered by Talk Sport. We'll bring you exclusive live coverage of Burnley, versus Leeds United that's at 12.30 Southampton versus Fulham at 3 and Brighton take on West Ham United at 8pm the Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership listen Saturdays on the C103 app or you can go to c103.ie Some of your thoughts coming in on that breaking news that I brought you of those three teenagers who've been arrested in Dublin for what happened at the Hoth station. Anne says, Patricia, that is wonderful news. The the teenagers, Anne calls them scumbags. Glad to hear they were caught and arrested for the serious behaviour at the train station. I hope they get the proper punishment. Kind regards. That is from Anne. Thank you for that, Anne. And someone else says, good morning. I've seen that video you were talking about as well. It was absolutely disgusting. They were spitting at those young girls, kicking them. And in the video, you could see the boy in the red jacket spit at that young girl. The other hit her with the back of his bike. That's what knocked her off her feet and that's where she went head first onto the track between the curb and the train. Disgraceful. Shocking from beginning to end. Well, let's wait and see what happens to these uh, three teenagers, two 16-year-olds and a 13-year-old. I will keep a very close eye on that one uh, for sure. Now, just some advice in for listeners who may be heading to Porky Cueve to get their vaccine because we know 2,000 people from the North Cork area have been called into the city for a vaccination just to get through the over 60s. Joan says, Patricia, just a heads up to people, if you've got your vaccination appointment for Porky Cueve, the steward asked me, are you okay with Steps? Uh, fine says I thinking it was like my steps at home he never said that there was four flights of steps I counted them 64 steps in total I was fair winded by the time I reached the top had I known that I definitely would have taken the lift okay that's from Joan in McCroom thanks for that Joan but you got your vaccine which is the good news so if you are going to Porky Creeve and you have difficulty with that many steps there will be you get offered you can take the lift uh, instead. Mary says, Patricia, got my vaccine yesterday at Caragoone. Couldn't say enough about the staff and the nurses and the assistants. They were just so kind. They actually helped me to my car when I came out. Thank them all so much. Isn't that great? I love when I hear that people going above and beyond and just being so, so uh, caring. Hi, Patricia, I live in Kilmallock. I've also been sent to Porky Creeve to get my jab. Anne says, I got my COVID injection Tuesday evening in Mallow I'm 64 they were so nice so friendly and so uh, helpful Hi Patricia I got my vaccine in the Radisson Blue Hotel in Limerick I got it two weeks ago I'm from Glanworth I'm aged 58 and I don't have underlying conditions obviously I jumped at the chance of getting my uh, vaccine so says Rose thank you for that uh, Rose on allowing the publicans to come out onto the footpaths which is what the Tornish de Leo Varadkar is saying he is going going to say to the local authorities. A listener says what about wheelchair users? Definitely not on. And you'll also, what just wheelchair users, you'll also have mothers with buggies in prams as well. It'll be a little bit difficult uh, for them. Okay, there was, if I can find, here we go. Uh, Oh, this is Michael Sullivan. Thank you, Michael, for this. this. When I was talking about people vaccinated and we had John from Yaw who's against uh, vaccines and feels now that he's going to be stranded and won't be allowed to leave this country and feels it's very unfair and was kind of blaming the government uh, for it and uh, you know talking about vaccination hesitancy I accept that it's there but compared to other countries the majority of people in this country want to be vaccinated. I think we see the seriousness of this pandemic and we see the importance of of vaccines. Uh, Michael said he sent me on a link To say that Ireland records the lowest level of vaccine hesitancy in the EU survey. That does not surprise me at all because in other countries, I mean, they're offering in America, in some states in America, they're so desperate to get jabs into people. They're offering them a free drink if they come along. They set up vaccine centres inside in bars and you got a free drink to get if you get your vaccine and they have to actually encourage people to go along we do not we have i think if anything we have the opposite uh, issue here we're just desperate to get the vaccine and michael is also on about the Taoiseach and the government having every right to challenge on Tashka and what he is talking about let me give you the background to it before i read out michael's uh, michael's text this all kicked off um was it yesterday morning or the morning before anyway with the Minister for Children and Equality Roderick O'Gorman he said the politicians should leave the legal process to play out and the reason that he came out with that statement was the Taoiseach Micheál Martin has asked that Antashka wouldn't appeal the development of a continental cheese factory that's planned for County Kilkenny it happened in the doll on Tuesday The Micheál Martin asked that Antashka wouldn't appeal for the second time it's a planning application to be granted for a cheese factory and he says particularly as part of the government's post brexit strategy to try to give the dairy industry a boost. This new cheese factory would be located in a place called Bellevue. Now, it's actually County Kilkenny, but it's near the Waterford border. It'll make Edam and Gouda cheese. It's a, a joint venture between Glanbia and a Dutch company called Royal a Ware, And it's part of a strategy to diges- diver- diversify the Irish export market. On Tashka, have raised concerns about the environmental impact of this cheese factory. And they challenged on Board Planola's decision. onboard Board Planola g- gave this cheese factory the nod and said, yeah, it's OK, you can go ahead. But then Antashka challenged that. The High Court then dismissed the Antashka challenge. And that's where the Taoiseach stepped in and said, please to Antashka, don't appeal the issue again, which obviously Antashka are well in their rights to do. And he then, Roderick O'Gorman, the Minister, was speaking on national radio on Wednesday and he said that Antashka play an important role in Irish life and that they have a long track record in prioritising environmental concerns. When he was asked about the had the Taoiseach butted in Rodrigo Gorman said, it's best for these legal processes to play out. And he said, I would generally say politicians should leave it to play out. Then obviously Antashka got involved. Their national environmental officer, a doctor, Elaine McGough, said that the Taoiseach's comments were highly unusual. She says, we look at the science, we look at the law. We're confident that the choices we are making are in keeping with the law and are underpinned by the science, adding that all of Ireland's key environmental indicators are going the wrong uh, way. And and then she said that whether Antashka appeals or not, the writing is on the wall in relation to this type of agriculture and farmers shouldn't be forced to choose between jobs and the environment. So we'll wait and see what Antashka are going to do and whether they're going to appeal it or not. Anyway, that's the background to the story that Michael wants to comment on. And he said the Taoiseach and the government have every right, he said, to challenge on... Tashka or any other body in this country. They should not be sacred cows. Government are there to govern and not to play second fiddle to any organisation. At the end of the day, they run the country, not Antashka. We had a Catholic church running this country for long enough. And look where that got us. It is time for a full review of the workings of Antashka, according to Michael, this, their statutory role and the funding that re- they receive before it's too late. They, now, this is Michael's view. They have done more damage to this country than any cuckoo funds and they've broken many a young couple's hearts by objecting to their planning permission and hunted them down out of rural Ireland. They should respect government, courts and the people thanking you and that's from Michael who lives in uh, Castleton Baird a beautiful rural part of this country 1850 333 103 we're looking for your pet questions please uh, because Jane Pickett our resident vet is going to be joining us after the break you can call John Paul with pet questions as well to 1850
0: 333103 Court Today on
3: C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk
2: I-E. Let's head to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where we're joined by our resident vet, Jane Pickett. Good afternoon to you, Jane.
1: Good afternoon, Patricia. How are
2: you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well, and you're welcome to the programme. We were actually talking about an animal topic earlier with this TikTok craze of young people taking on little baby ducklings. And we were talking with a, a poultry company who was, you know, worried about the cruelty involved in this because, of course, the ducklings grow fast and suddenly they the do. young teenage girls don't want the ducklings anymore. They're, they're not cute. And then he was saying that, he, you know, they're even hearing that wild ducklings are being taken out of, from ponds and stuff. It, it's beyond cruel, isn't it, what people are doing? Mm.
1: It is absolutely like any I suppose any animal has specific needs and requirements to keep them happy and healthy and to make sure their environment is optimized but particularly let's say baby animals it's quite difficult it's really not a simple thing I like as you say they grow very quickly out of the duckling stage into the duck stage um, and you still have the responsibilities of taking care of them adult or baby or otherwise what I would say is it's a really big danger to them because I suppose a lot of people who will be taking on like pets like this ducklings because of a craze they wouldn't be aware the requirements that they would need to take care of them, what they would need to feed them, how they need to be housed to keep them safe. And it's really just not a good idea. Like every animal is a massive long, long-term long commitment. It's not just something off a of TikTok craze that you can jump on the bandwagon for. And I think particularly taking ducklings out of a wildlife environment. Um, so I know there's been some instances of, let's say ducklings being taken out of rivers and sold on. That's really, really very, very worrying because obviously ducklings need to be with their mother for a certain period of time in order to grow and develop naturally. And if we take them out of that environment, they're just not prepared for life. And sometimes they they may pass away or not be able to cope so it's, it's really something it's to be
2: discouraged yeah so please people don't if you've got young people in your house looking for a duckling a question why they want it okay let's get straight into questions uh, another your namesake Jane in Mallow this time is on to us she has a female cat who is neutered she's wondering is it strange what's happening she seems to head away for a weekend and then she returns uh, again uh, she knows she knows it's a strange question but she just wants to know what is going on why does she suddenly disappear for a weekend and then come back and the fact she's neutered she's neutered She's not out on the tiles, obviously. What could be going on?
1: Hmm, This is a really interesting one. I think well done for getting her neutered. I think first and foremost, none of us want to kind of add to the feral cat population. So that's a really responsible decision. Um, So it doesn't sound, as you say, like she's having a night out on the tiles and going hunting, hunting for, let's say, others of our kind to mate with. Um, It can sometimes be that they are hunting for prey. So... uh, particularly in a kind of a young, healthy cat, um, actually, particularly when it gets to kind of the warmer summer months, they may become a lot more active, particularly in the evenings and at night time and go out hunting. Now, sometimes they can go a little bit further afield and may disappear for a little while. Now, disappearing for a whole week at a time would maybe lead me to believe that she might be finding a source of food elsewhere. So whether the neighbours are feeding her and she's having a temporary little holiday at somebody else's house, which happens sometimes, cats can be fickle at the best of times, Or whether she's just happening to go out on, um, let's say, hunting overnight and she's appearing back whilst you're out um, during the day, potentially at work and you might not see her and then she's gone again by the time you come back. That's another possibility. I think as long as she remains happy and healthy and seems well in herself. Um, then I wouldn't worry too much. Um, One thing you can do, I suppose, as an extra little bit of security, very similar to to microchipping dogs, so that if they were ever to turn up missing or turn up uh, injured somewhere, um, we can microchip cats. It's not really a, a... frequently done thing in this country but I know certainly when I worked in the UK almost every cat that we dealt with was microchipped and I suppose it gives us great peace of mind that if they are missing they will be scanned if they're reported let's say to the Garda or if they turn up to a vet so if they were to go missing for longer than the week as it were and that's an extra little bit of security that you'd be able to get her back. Um, I think just keep a little eye out, make sure she's eating and drinking when she is back and she seems in fine fettle because sometimes cats can disappear off if they're feeling a little bit unwell or out of sorts. So if you have any concerns about her health, just pop her to a vet for a check.
2: Yeah, but it it is possible. Cats are great at living in another yeah. house. I, I know I had a friend of mine who took in a stray cat and after about six months decided like that it was over in the UK to get her uh, microchipped and uh went down to the vet and they, the vet just decided to scan her. She was already microchipped and it turned out she belonged to somebody four or five doors down. And then they discovered she was living in about three different houses. So, you know, cats are, oh, yeah. they're well able to look after themselves. And if the food is good somewhere else, they, they will pop off uh, somewhere else. Uh, hi, uh, hi, Patricia. Question for Jane, please. I'm getting an eight week old Cavishan puppy. Oh, Uh, what food would Jane recommend? How many times a day should I feed a little puppy? And is water okay for her to drink? Thanking you.
1: Okay, so we'll take the simple bit first. Yes, water is perfect for her to drink. Um, So I would normally advise that she's just given water to drink. I think certain times there is a temptation to give them, let's say little kittens and puppies, to give them milk to drink. And it's something I would, you know, really advise against because that can be very rich on their tummy and they're really not just designed to drink cow's milk. So I would make sure she drinks water. That's the best decision there. As regards feeding, a puppy of eight weeks, um... Let's say a small breed puppy should be fed at least three or four times a day um, because they, aren't, they don't have a lot of stability for their blood sugars when they're that age. So they need small meals frequently to be able to stabilise their blood sugar and remain bright and bouncy and healthy. Um, so I would start with that. As regards to food, as the first protocol, what I would say is when you take her on, wherever she's come from, get a little bit of the food that she was on when she was with her litter. So either the breeder or whoever you're taking her on from, ask what they've been feeding her because she's going to be having a massive change in environment when she comes to your household. And we want to kind of keep as many things the same as we can. So if you can keep the food the same, at least that takes one different big change out of the equation. So try and get a little bit of the food that she's been on um, at the breeders for yourself, but then make a kind of a conscious decision about what you want to feed her long term. Um, so I think the best thing to do is to get the advice of your vet really as to what what's available in the local area and what's a good quality brand food. I think what I would advise is that if you're ever going to invest in your puppy's diet or your dog's diet, the time to do it is the first year to two years of their life, if not their entire life, if it's something you can afford. Because... In that year or two or the first year of life, they are laying down their skeleton, muscles, bone, tendons. So that's laying the foundation for their health for the rest of their life. And if that health is built off good quality food, the right balance of vitamin and minerals, then you're on to a winner. You're starting off really, really well. But if, let's say, you're feeding a very low quality food that may not be well balanced in the vitamin and mineral department, um, then obviously they're going to lay down a skeleton that may not be as strong and as good a quality as the dog that was felt as that was fed a really good quality diet there's lots of different things on the market and i understand that it can be incredibly confusing knowing what to choose so that's why i say speak to your vet i know i and generally most vets are more than happy to be contacted to discuss what they would recommend to feed and what's available in the local area because a lot of the time um the packaging can be very misleading I let's say the foods that we would let's say be familiar with and that I would recommend will be ones that are are quite rigorously tested to ensure that in in an animal when they grow up that they'll have a a good bone density and they'll be otherwise healthy whereas there's a lot of foods on the market where let's say what they say is in in the food on the back of the pack may not necessarily be in the bag and we don't know that it's correctly balanced for a puppy so I think speak to your vet and they'll be able to guide you best
2: okay hi people have stories now of wandering cats my partner's cat who was soon to be neutered went missing for most of the day and would usually come back at night but didn't come back one night and it was the night before due to go I take it to get neutered so my partner put out his litter tray he was back in an hour we reckon he picked up his own scent I don't know whether that was it or not but he returned and another listener says Patricia my neighbour's cat is neutered comes to my house every night spends a couple of hours with me at this stage he's <laughs> Living here, so that other person's cat might just be going off and spending time in another person's house. Yeah, so yeah absolutely. Staying on Could cats. Well uh, Kieran in Formoy, a nine-year-old uh, cat in great form, um, has been raised on a diet of dry food, never had any problem, but recently stopped eating the dried. Nuts didn't seem to like them. We changed to a different flavour and she was okay for another while and then she went off those again. Any advice, please? Why has she suddenly at nine become a picky eater?
1: Okay. Um, So a cat of nine years of age probably has still many years on the clock. Um, They can live well into their teenage years, but anything over, let's say, seven or eight. um, in in a cat, I would consider a, a kind of a senior or mature cat. So we really need to be on you know high alert for early warning signs of any, any concerning health conditions. And um, one of those early warning signs is becoming quite picky with food or, let's say, just being very kind of fickle about what they want to eat when they would have been previously, let's say, very good eaters, ravenous eat, anything you put in front of them. So it's a big change for her is what we'd be looking for changes or what we want to be aware of. Now, it could be something as simple as she might have sore teeth, toothache and need, need some dental work doing, or it could be a symptom of something, let's say, a little bit more sinister underlying. So I suppose the main things we worry about in, let's say, middle-aged to older cats would be, would be, let's say, problems with their kidneys, any kind of GI trouble. And lots of that can be reflected in, let's say, pickiness eating or even increased frequency of vomiting, for example. I think either way, what I'd say is well done for noticing the change and I wouldn't write it off as just one of those things. I would attend your vet for kind of a senior health check. They'll do a full physical exam and they might discuss whether any further diagnostics, like just basic bloods to check that everything is ticking over okay, might need to be done. It's exactly the same as us as we age. Um, And what I would say is information is power. So the more information you have about what might be going on, or I suppose hopefully if you rule out that nothing is going on and she might just be being a bit picky, then that's helpful information too. But the earlier you find out about any lingering problems, the more we can do about it. And as vets, it's most rewarding for us when we can give you as owners and your pet the most options we can to give them a really great quality of life. So I would visit your vet, flag your concerns and get a little health check done.
2: Okay. All right. Listen, have a great week and we'll chat to you next Thursday, Jane. Thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us thank you bye bye good afternoon to you Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group let me catch up with some of your texts and calls uh, coming in on that story of the teenagers who've been arrested in Dublin for what we all witnessed uh, those of us that managed to see that video footage of them intimidating those young girls getting one lot getting off the train one lot getting on the train Jim said good to see those gurriers great words being used to describe these teenage boys being caught And how they terrorised those young girls. They said they would cycle next to a girl and they used a wheel to tip the girl. Uh, She was so lucky that there wasn't a death as a result. If someone happened to fall under an incoming train, yeah, luckily the train was stopped. I wouldn't like to say what I would do to those (laughs) teenagers. Uh, They should be given hard labour put them out cleaning up rubbish as a uh, punishment where we'll wait and see exactly what will happen to them and on smoking Pat says I live, I am in New Zealand every year and have been for a couple of months every year for a number of years. They tried to bring in a smoke free zone and tried to make Auckland completely smoke free in 2020. It was hugely rejected by the people of Auckland. They might say so but I don't think they will introduce this but if you look at the statistics every single year drink kills more people than cigarettes Um, Ireland is very bad when it comes to alcohol and it's, yeah is it 7,000 deaths a year from alcohol anyway uh, cigarettes it always, the coverage always seems to be about cigarettes but what about the amount that alcohol is killing people Tom and Infomoy says I was a smoker I gave up and I'm backing them again oh Tom when I was off smoking it never bothered me having others around me smoke and that wasn't the reason by the way that I went back on smoking it was my own decision but I, why bother going to a place if you feel there are too many smokers in that area I would say to non smokers just avoid and we did run a Twitter poll about this plan to ban smoking in outdoor areas 70% of you agreed uh, while 30% disagreed. So yeah, That's where I wrap it up for today. Thank you to a huge number of people. Seems to be a lot of people now starting to get appointments for vaccinations. I can see more texts and comments coming in saying got my vaccination date, I'm going at the weekend and a number of people uh, heading to Porky Creek, as we say, 2,000 in total we were talking by the HSC from North and West Cork to be invited into the city this weekend to get their vaccines. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 for Thursday. Friday's bro, we'll go into that I'm Patricia messenger. Very good afternoon.
0: Cork today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack. Insurances can Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See mig.ie.